Oh yeah, I like the sound of that, and I know that you're gonna like the sound of it too. This is The Manny Wolf Show, where I pull no punches, I don't hold back in my conversations with some of the most interesting minds on the planet. So, put us in your ear, turn the volume up, and hang on for another episode. Looks like we are live once again. My name is Manny Wolf. This is the Manny Wolf Show. Today, my host, my guest, I'm the host, is <laughs> Shantae Javon Taylor. She is a neuroscientist, and we are going to talk today about how biases are created. We're going to see, or how they're sustained, maybe. I don't know. We're going to see where that takes us. And hopefully, by the end of it, you will have the ability to look at your own thinking a little bit more critically because I think we are in desperate need right now of the ability to exercise critical thinking. Shantae, welcome. I am so glad to have you. Yes, likewise. Thank you for having me and thanks everybody for watching today. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's do the uh, the sort of mandatory prerequisite. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. We'll move through that as fast as we can and get to the good stuff. Oh, absolutely. So I am a neuroscientist and success strategist. Um, I did not start off that way. My background is in literally neuroscience and clinical neuropsychology. So I spent um, 15 years plus studying what was wrong with the brain. So um, <laughs> I did a lot of research on brain injuries and dementia and worked with Alzheimer's pay, uh, patients and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't the route that I felt I wanted to go for the next 40, 50 years, sure. uh, because it just didn't light me up. So now um, I actually train people, coaches and leaders all over mm -hmm. the planet, um, how to understand the brain better to enhance and access more of their human potential, more of their genius, um, and to show up more powerfully um, and have uh, more of a powerful human experience um, in their everyday life and business and profession. I like that part. I like the how to have a more powerful human experience. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about some things that are not exactly that, but that is most of us. I, I don't. I don't know. I find social media to be a fascinating sort of metadata uh, place. You know, it's a place to if you go into it and you start to argue with Joe and Susie and and agree with Steve and and Vera you're missing what it can be. If you keep a thousand foot view, it, it's a really sort of an interesting um, way to take the temperature of where people are at. And I think that, I think that many of us are not living uh, the kind of life that you just talked about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even I wasn't right. Yeah. If I'm spending eight to 10 hours a day looking for what's wrong with people, you know, yeah. literally what's wrong with their brains and then right. telling them, this is wrong with your brain. And I'm telling their family members, yeah, I'm really shaping my own brain and awareness to do that outside my work. So now I'm bringing mm. that home. I'm looking at what are, you know, what's wrong with everybody? What are the mistakes? Right. You know? So I didn't like that part of showing up um, because everything we do, the brain is the center of everything we do, you know, in our personal yeah. lives and yeah. it intersects with our professions and how we see the world and how we treat each other. So you just said something really interesting. You said you were shaping your brain by doing that. Absolutely. I'm going to need you to expand on that. What the heck are you talking about? Isn't our brain <laughs> isn't our brain shaped like a brain? 
The brain is shaped like a brain, uh, but it's, it's a beautiful instrument. It's this organic piece of technology that grows and shapes according to our experiences, how we um, uh, challenge ourselves, what we learn. It's always growing and developing, okay? And we can do that more intentionally. So in neuroscience, we call it neuroplasticity. Really, it's like... Um, if you have a, if you look at a tree and it has branches, that's what our, that's how our brains, um, how they, how it's shaped. So we have a hundred billion neurons, uh, mm -hmm. brain cells approximately that look like trees and it has branches. And every time we learn and challenge ourselves and have, have experiences, whether good or bad, every time we're having a conversation, you know, and we're learning about each other, our brains, our brain cells are growing and growing branches um, to that experience, to that memory, to that behavior, to that yeah. way of thinking and being. So um, it's just a beautiful um, organ um, all around. And it truly is shaping who we are um, as individuals and who we are shaping, how we shape um, people in our lives. We are very um, connected. We're, we're connected mm -hmm. and how we show up really affects them, uh, people in our lives mentally. I mean, we have the neuroscience to say, when I, when I smile, your yeah. brain is lighting up as if yeah. it's smiling, yeah. right? consciously. So there's a lot of things going on unconsciously. So we have to be very aware of what we are feeding our minds, what we're putting in our minds. And we need to do, um, you know, grow our brains intentionally and, um, you know, consciously as well. So this idea of shaping our brains, what we're talking about, if I understand you correctly, is we have the we have the power to choose what we focus on, of course, right? Yes. And, and I Absolutely. think that maybe maybe that's not as sort of um, widely known as, as you and I might assume, but what we focus on then sort of determines what our brain finds or filters for in the future. Is that right? Yeah. Your brain, it's a goal achieving machine. Okay. Mm. So it's going to work regardless if we give it instructions or not. So we were just talking about this earlier. Many people don't even use their brains intentionally. You don't even think right. about it. You just kind of, really take it for granted that it's going to move your muscles when you get up in the morning, open up your eyes, you know, go to the restroom and do all your daily activities. Yeah. Uh, but we can consciously and intentionally use our brains to design it for our goals, right? For our lives. Yeah. Um, and so we have to do specific, first of all, we have to give it a goal <laughs> and okay. then we have to do specific activities and tasks that will enhance and focus our brains on that particular goal. And your brain will naturally start to prioritize what it needs to, in order to reach that goal. It is a, um, a goal achieving machine, um, if we direct it, uh, and use it intentionally. That's fascinating to me. I, I've heard similar things, but never that. I've never heard it directly said it's a goal-attaining machine. Yeah. Um, what are some of the ways, if, if we know this, if we accept that it's a goal-attaining machine, let me do this. If we accept that it's a goal-attaining machine, what's the first thing we need to do to either calibrate or prime it so that it can start to do that? Okay, <laughs> there's not one thing, but the first thing yeah. <laughs> is um, really put your brain in the condition in mm -hmm. order to be able to focus and accomplish your goals. So 
what that means is once you put your brain in the position, um, you optimize how it will use mental energy. So the brain is also a hungry energy machine. Okay. It uses a 20% of the total body energy. Right. That means um, it's using more energy than any other organ in your body. Right. Um, so the brain doesn't want to naturally use a lot of mental energy. That's why a lot of things are on the subconscious level. Yeah. A lot of so mental yeah. habits, unconscious, subconscious activities like the beating of our heart, making new brain cells, yeah. um, you know, getting out of bed. <laughs> all yeah. that we already know how to do that. Once you yeah. learn how to ride a bike, you don't have to use mental energy to learn how to ride a bike. Um, so in order for you to opt put your brain in the optimal position or conditioned or environment, um, your brain is going to want to want to use mental energy to learn something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're stressed out, if you're burnt out, if you're not doing the human activities like um, getting enough sleep or mm-hmm. feeding your neurons, which uh, your brain cells are very different than your muscle cells or your heart or anything like that. So it requires a certain kind of nutrition. And if you're putting in the knowledge, the skill sets um, that help, that also puts your brain in a certain environment to thrive for that particular um, goal. So there's a, there's a compilation of things you have to do to put it in the environment to use up the energy that your brain is naturally resistant <laughs> to using up because um it also it, it's a survival mechanism yeah, right yeah 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 gathering days um we didn't want to use mental energy um to do the same things over and over we wanted to use that mental energy right. to learn how to survive more or right. you know go hunt or be alert and all of that so we're in modern times so we have to think of how to use our brain in a right. way not a lot of risk of saber tooth tiger anymore. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. But our brain still uses the same. But it, yeah. Right. right. So when we start thinking about our goals, some of those goals scare the bejesus out of us. Right. It's mm. like, oh, my gosh, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur. But that means I have to leave my job. That means yeah. I have to get points on my own, you know, and yeah. you activate, you know, that that ancient part of the brain that is. Yeah. Um, wired for fear and threat, you know, to, so your, to your survival. Um, so we have to manage, that's another thing we have to do, learn to manage that that fear brain, that primitive brain for modern goals. And that's a whole set of things. A couple of things that I want to know, what is, what is, what do we feed the brain? But another thing you said too, that I want to sort of stack onto that is you made it sound as though what we choose to think about and focus on functions as a kind of fuel or food for the brain as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. So talk to me about that. Tell me more about first the actual nutrition, because I put butter in my coffee every morning and I swear Mm -hmm. to you, my brain thanks me every day. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hopefully I'm right about that. Uh, But so tell us about the nutrition and then, and then could you expand a little bit on how certain, certain things that we focus on sort of fuel our brain? Absolutely. So glucose, which is a very simple sugar, is the Mm -hmm. main source of fuel for the brain. Um, And that is what is 
is going to make the energy for your 100 billion brain cells to talk to each other at 200 miles per hour. Remember, there's a lot of things your body is doing that you are not even thinking about. Right. Um, so most of that energy is going towards that. So any new energy that it needs to um, create or utilize, um, you're going to have to make sure your, your brain is fueled. Um, so uh, the anatomy, it's a lot with nutrition, but um, I know, I know. <laughs> basic anatomy of the, the brain cell, you do have some, some fatty acids that mm -hmm. help to propagate information to the next cell, to the next cell. That's where your butter comes in, right? That's where your omegas come in. Okay. So we want to be able to think fast. So we need to make sure our, um, we, our, brain cells have that fatty layer um, mm -hmm. that is replenished and taken care of and repaired and all that. You know, our brain, our cells have to repair themselves just like, you know, we have to, you know, put a Band-Aid on a cut sure. or something like sure. that. Um, so that takes mental energy. Um, so fat is the good fat is good now all fats are not created equally and there's right. you can google you know with all kind of different uh right. the good fats and the bad fats so avocados are good you know stuff like that mm -hmm. um you all the brain also requires um you know multivitamins because there are trace minerals and you know certain vitamins that help to maintain the integrity of your hundred billion brain cells um so i mean i could train all a whole day just on brain nutrition um yeah you want to make sure you have protein uh, because protein is what makes up those neurotransmitters and little neurotransmitters are basically little molecules that allow your brain cells to communicate and talk to right. each other. Right. So really <laughs> uh, nutrition is really to make sure your brain is fueled and has the mental energy uh, uh -huh. to be able to think through and ward off things that will take you off your focus. It takes a lot of mental energy to focus on one thing. Yeah. Okay. So if you find that your focus is, you know, going off, maybe you're low in uh, the, the molecules needed to sustain, um, you know, the energy making molecules yeah. of the brain. So right there, if we found that, what might we turn to in terms of nutrition and food to help us? Is it butter? Is it avocados? Uh, what's a good source of simple glucose? What do we, we're in the middle of a homework binge or something, right? And, yeah. and we've got to get it done or a deadline of some sort. And it's like, all of a sudden we can't think. Where do we turn for like quick, quick mental energy? In quick terms sources of, of um, mental yeah. energy. Well, you know, really anything in the Mediterranean diet. So you got- Oh, your, no kidding. Your okay. nuts your oil, uh -huh. your fishes, your protein, that's, that's been um, in the neuroscience community, the best diet to be able to follow for an optimal brain. Okay. So for me, I do, when I'm in low in mental energy, mm -hmm. I will, um, you know, eat some nuts, some trail yeah. mix, because then yeah. you have your minerals that are good for the brain. You have a quick source of um, uh, protein and you have some carbohydrates. Perfect. Okay. Carbohydrates, are going to is the fuel because it breaks down into the glucose molecules. It's the mm -hmm. fuel. Um, okay. But some people intermittent fast, and so your brain is able to utilize another source called ketones um, mm -hmm. in the fasting state that can serve as um, as fuel for the brain. Uh, sometimes right. your brain is just depleted. Sometimes you it, it's going to take some time for your brain to replenish um, energy. Uh, what's called ETP in the brain mm -hmm. so yeah, that yeah. you can start thinking again. So maybe you need to take a break 
and rest your brain and do something different and of course feed it but your brain needs time to replenish as well so there's a few things you would you would need to assess self-assess um, because um, your brain your prefrontal cortex <laughs> the most advanced part of your brain um, it can only work for a certain amount of time before it gets depleted of mental energy. So, I mean, the time factor is important to to notice um, if you are low in, in you know, focus. Well, I know all about depleted brain. So <laughs> that's sort of my specialty. <laughs> all you have to do is look back over my teens and 20s and <laughs> oh, never doubt it. So what about the idea that what we choose to focus on and think about? Because I, I feel like you said the brain is a goal setting machine. I feel like it's a it's this self-actualization machine, too. You know, you know what I mean? Like like you can choose. There's a great line in a song by Rush where he says, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. Yeah. And I think in this conversation, that that idea, which is very poetic on its face, goes a little deeper because you got this thing. We all get one. We all get one. Yeah, We all get one. <laughs> Many of us, uh, I always think about teenagers when I talk to, you know, my son and, and my daughter, trying to make them understand that you can actually think about your thoughts and have sort of metacognition and they look at me like I'm speaking Urdu, right? They did just like there's there's no way. <laughs> just like yeah. don't even don't even drag that in here, okay? Well, We're busy feeling our feelings, and and the world is what you know. Um, but most, I don't know about most people. A lot of people go into adulthood and through their whole lives without ever kicking up out of that sort of like uh, never getting into metacognition. Mm-hmm. When you get into metacognition, you're, you you choose what – let me see if I can nail this. You right. can choose what you focus on, which in turn creates a brain that is healthier and better able to focus. Mm. Is that right? Yes, you're definitely on the right that, track. So some just, people use the brain and the mind interchangeably. Mm. But in neuroscience, um, there's a we've concluded that the mind is a separate entity. Not that you can't still use it interchangeably, but the mind is the observer. The mind directs the flow of information and energy of the physical brain. Okay. So okay. The mind is like this higher awareness, you know, if you will. The, the part that I'm referring to as the metacognition. Yes. Okay. Exactly. We call that the mind. We call that the mind. Now I know how mind. to talk to neuroscientists. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so you are, in a sense, observing yourself. Yeah, you yeah. And your kids, us as teenagers, we're, we're always, there are times when we are observing our own thoughts. You know, mm -hmm. when you hear your voice, your own voice. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, that's your mind. That's you observing your own okay. thinking and being. And yeah. um, so we're always doing it. But we can do it even more powerfully. When yeah. we have more self-aware self-awareness, and when we're intentional about observing our thoughts and our patterns and behaviors, when we uh, specifically create those moments where we can reflect, you know, on ourselves, and that's where you get the uh, the power of meditation mm -hmm. uh, to be able to do. It makes that muscle, that mind muscle, stronger. Yeah. That yeah. sense, of, that sense of self-awareness. When yeah. you have that level of self-awareness. 
you have um you know your your fuse is longer you know you're okay. not yeah. irritated um you can focus better mm-hmm. um you can uh think before you speak you know so when you're acting uh, interacting with someone you're being more mindful of how you say things mm-hmm. and if you should say it right yeah. Um, so I believe that understanding the brain and mind at um, those different layers, you know, it's one yeah. thing to understand it physically, but it's another thing to understand it, you know, in spiritually and mindfully yeah. and all of that. And I believe once we understand that collectively as human beings, that's going to be our true evolution to the next stage of this human experience. Well, you opened the door on that one. First of all, let me say yeah. that was that was beautifully said, and I agree with you. So second, let me say, we find ourselves in a surreal and unique moment in time. Yeah. It is, it is, I mean, bizarre doesn't quite cut it, right? And I'm seeing what I might call people's true colors, but really in a way it's, it's the, it's the conditioning or lack of condition. It's the conditioning by choice or by circumstance of their mind now just sort of coming forward with no filter. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. so you've got, I have seen some of the most, like just, I don't even know the word I want to use, like the most sumptuous conspiracy theories come come forward on Facebook lately. There was one that tied in and, and and I just got to say all these things individually. So it tied in Donald Trump, Brian Epstein, the Clintons, the Wuhan bats, China, 5G, Bill Gates, all into one beautiful conspiracy theory. <laughs> I was just like, I had to run over and show my wife. I was like, look at this one. This one wins. This it. is the one right here. <laughs> Nobody else can touch this one. The only right. thing they left out was the Illuminati. part two of that yeah part two was like like it's implied duh read between the lines right right um what what i guess i want to kind of get at is um well let's just do this what what is happening right now with with cognitive biases like how do I, I, I don't even know where there's so many questions I want to ask you about this. <laughs> well, let me say this, and then that may it may help you form your question. Okay. Not only is the, the brain a goal achieving machine, yeah, but it's a it needs to make sense of the world. So it's a right. pattern finding machine. It's a pattern finding machine as well, yeah. Right. It it, it has to, to be certain of survival, mm-hmm. it needs to figure out what's happening. That, yeah. you know, from our ancient days. So yeah. maybe that will guide your question. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you what it does do is it 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 shines a light on <clears throat> why it's so hard for us to live in uncertainty. Right? The mind doesn't like it. The mind does not like it. Uh, by the way, not to pat myself on the back, but do you like the title of our of our interview? <laughs> Before we started, I was like, that's interesting, but it, it's more captivating than that's right to cognitive bias. So that's yeah. just good copywriting. <laughs> um, because I mean, let's face it, right now, 
nobody is going through their day without deciding at least one of their friends are crazy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so tell me a little bit from your perspective. I know about cognitive biases from uh, some study and from a boots on the ground layman's kind of perspective, but tell me like, how do we, like, what the hell are they? <laughs> so, so I train um, on unconscious bias in organizations, right? Mm. And I don't really like to even call it that training okay. um, because it it automatically suggests when you hear unconscious bias, people, it's, it automatically triggers people. Like, yeah. I'm not prejudiced. Right. I'm not raised. You automatically it has a negative connotation, it does. right? It does. The word bias. Yeah. And that's why I actually like to say that it is a preference. So all biases are not bad. It, I think it's just been given a bad rap. And if it's negatively affecting right. other people, mm -hmm. then it's negative bias. Yeah. And um, so bias to me is your preference for something. And it's just how the brain works. We have to have preferences or we'll be spending our time always learning what we pref we prefer. Right. It's like, yeah. you know, buying a brand of cereal at the store. Well, you don't want, there's a, like a thousand brands, right? Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to go down that aisle and read every brand. Hey, Manny here. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the importance of growing your own personal brand and your own audience. In this day and age, if you do business on social media or on the internet in general, you need to be focused on your personal brand. And your personal brand is a function of what people say, think, and feel about you behind your back. And that's where we can come in and help you tremendously. So I'd like to invite you to go over to my website, mannywolf.com, where you can either schedule a call with me or my team, or you can learn about the ways that we can help you to grow your audience powerfully and quickly. In this day and age, content is absolutely king. And if you don't have a content strategy, you can't expect big results. And what we do is we help you with powerful, powerful content strategies. In short, we can put you everywhere all the time without you doing hardly any work. Sounds kind of cool, right? If you'd like to learn more, head over to mannywolf.com and either book a call or look into one of the ways that we have already prepared to help you rapidly grow your audience, grow your trust, your authority, your personal brand, and of course, through all of those things, grow your business. All right, now back to the show. And in all the nutritional value over and over again, so right. you learn to be pre uh, learn to pre prefer or be biased for a particular brand of cereal. Sure. Okay. And sure. we do that all the time. It's the brain right. way of conserving energy. Yeah. So we have a, we prefer a certain toothpaste. We prefer a certain coffee shop, you know, and you can extend that to everything else. We prefer to hang with certain people right. <laughs> think like us. Yeah. That's sometimes that's how we grew up. Right. Mm -hmm. We just prefer a certain group. So the, the least, the less and less something is familiar to us, Mm -hmm. The more stranger it is to the brain, the more we become. We rely on those. Well, the biases. The biases, if it, yeah, we rely on the biases. But mm -hmm. um, if the situation or people is too far from our mm -hmm. 
you know, cognitive biases and what we think, believe and feel and all of that, yeah. then it in the brain, it registers as a threat. Oh, OK. Right. Okay. And we yeah. want to move away from it. Right. Right. So let's say in an organization, um, you know, someone is looking at uh, resumes. Yeah. And we're used to Bob, David, you know, Robert, you know, <laughs> Cynthia, yeah. Sarah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then if we get a foreign name, mm-hmm. you know, our by our threat brain kicks in. Even it's it's unconscious. It's, right. You know, if you're not familiar with saying names that mm-hmm. are different from yours or being around people like that, um, you know, because your experiences just didn't allow you to, your brain yeah. is already going to detect something. Oh, that's too different. Yeah. That means it, that person is not like me. That means. Yeah. That right. person probably isn't as good as the David or Warren, right. or you know. So um, our brains start to, you know, reverse the blood flow from our logic brain, from our prefrontal <laughs> cortex, that will allow us to make a sound decision and read the rest of the resume, you know, non-judgmentally, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. Non-biasly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, bias biases can be like everyday choosing something. Mm-hmm. But it can also affect how we make decisions about other people and how we behave with other people. Yeah. And so when we have these established neural pathways, yeah. you know, whether they're good or bad, mm-hmm. we're going to we naturally want to f- confirm those thought patterns. It's just a natural thing that we do. And not some of it can be good, some of it, you know, could not be good. And I think what we're seeing on the web and yeah. in the political environment and all that, yeah. these people are just confirming their biases, their preferences, right. their belief patterns. Right. It's just yeah. a natural thing. And it's unfortunately um, uh, all those unconscious biases that are surfacing have been sitting there and they're, you know, they're mm-hmm. being elevated and a lot of them are just not good. <laughs> so biases, heuristics, uh, they, they, there are a lot of things I notice in, in like what I consider like the human experience yeah. that, that, it's almost as though pick your pick your belief system, God, Buddha, Jesus, Jerry Springer, <laughs> fucking L. Ron Hubbard, whoever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, universal intelligence. It's almost as though there are we are meant to get more interdependent. Mm-hmm. I, I really believe this. Uh, oh, yeah. and, and, and my my argument is that if the big bang started with three elements and now we have everything we have mm-hmm. creativity and interdependence is the order of the universe. Mm. So I, and I also, I also think that we are the universe experiencing itself subjectively, but that may be another interview and another conversation. <laughs> but so here's the thing, right? Like we can look back over human history and see that the one thing that is sure it may move like the the GDP line where it's down up down up, but it it trends upward toward yeah. uh, more sophistication, more interdependence, more. Uh, it's always trending upward in a positive direction. Ultimately, yes. This moment right here in time is buck wild insane, but yeah. the larger moment in time is the best in human history. Yeah. Right. 
and, mm -hmm. and, and it's always been like that. It was like that 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago. Each mm -hmm. moment was the best moment in human history right. if you don't get too micro with it. Mm. So with that having been said, um, I feel like our evolution or spiritual or, or whatever you want to call it kind of evolution, the collective consciousness also moves like that. Mm -hmm. It's it's maybe it's a rocky journey, but it's on an upward trend all the time. Yeah. I think <clears throat> that these things like biases, heuristics, those old drives from the, the reptilian brain, um, they, they go into this interesting category for me of things that at one point served us, but now we have to get past them. Yeah. Right. There, yeah. there, it seems to me there's this whole, uh, so biases are, are in that, um, um, like nervous system reactions to like, I know for me, when I was a kid, I lived in fear a lot. I lived in a bad neighborhood. I was the wrong color in that neighborhood. I was a hippie kid in a, in a, a, a financially really depressed ghetto where there were no white kids. It was like, it was, it was out of a book, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. it was. And so in my case, uh, just to use a really sort of oversimplified example for many, many years, I was afraid of Mexican kids because mm -hmm. I fought them every day. And, and as I got older and I started to realize like violence isn't coming to find me every single day anymore. And it hasn't for years and years and years now. I opted consciously to go through a process of undoing that bias. Yeah. Cause it's just stupid to walk around as a grown up ducking around the corner every time I see a Mexican guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, there's no. That's why it's so important <laughs> that leaders mm -hmm. don't generalize Groups of people by saying <laughs> yeah. they're rapists and murderers, first of all, right? It's very important yes. how yes. we um, talk about groups of people who have been marginalized. Yeah. You know, there's a history of marginalization. Yeah, right. Of a whole group of people. And people may not think that they're prejudiced mm. or um, have stereotypes. But our brain, we operate 90% of uh, subconsciously because that's yeah. just effective yeah. for the brain and uh -huh. how it utilizes and conserves energy. Right. But, so when you're, when um, the media, uh, like when the news, I'm talking about not just in 2020, I'm talking about in um, 1910, I'm talking about the yeah. 1950s and the 1960s, yeah. when they are projecting yeah. you know, stereotypes or what a criminal looks like, or right. who's might more likely to steal. And yeah. you know, you're putting images and books and right. all of this. This is seeping into people's subconscious mind, and, and they are making the creating biases, you right. know, pathways on how they yeah. see people and how they treat people mm -hmm. and how they engage or not engage yeah. with other people, which also you know goes into the unconscious negative biases. Mm -hmm. Um as well. So we have to be very mindful of, like you said, becoming more aware of those negative yeah. cognitive biases yeah. and really making, taking the mental effort. And remember your brain is going to resist using mental energy. It, yeah. It's just like getting healthy, right? Yeah. 
your brain is naturally not going to want to exercise. If there's pain involved, you got to get up, you got to get dressed, you got to, you know, exert a lot of mental and physical energy. Your brain is going to want to quit. And most of the time, the people do quit. It succeeds, yeah. Right. So when people, it's much easier to use and stay on the our level of thinking and just to right. confirm, find evidence to confirm. Yeah. Yeah, because it takes mental energy to really listen right. to someone else's point of view and then change yeah. all those cognitive pathways. Well, maybe everybody yeah. is not rapists and murderers, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Yeah. So we gotta we gotta be more modern than that. We gotta evolve our humanity. And that's going to take some mental energy. It's going to be uncomfortable um, because another thing is with the brain, what we know in neuroscience, we it's painful to be wrong. So we actually know in the brain that when we are found to be wrong about something or incorrect, the brain registers it as pain in the brain. So your brain is going to naturally want to run away from painful things. And that includes something as simple as being corrected or being wrong, because we naturally feel like we're right. And it feels good to be right, because now yeah, yeah. every time you're right, there's some dopamine being released, mm -hmm. serotonin. Right. You know, every time you find that that piece of evidence for your yeah. <laughs> Get the you quote up there. Mean, you know, yeah. you want to keep yeah. going. You know, I found another piece of the puzzle, right? Every time <laughs> you find someone who thinks along mm -hmm. um, the way you do, you, yeah. you know, that's confirmation and confirmation feels good. Mm -hmm. So people don't want to feel wrong. They don't want to change their thinking right. um, if it's opposite of uh, what they've been thinking for decades. So we got to, yeah. you know, it takes mental yeah. energy. Yeah. I, I just have to assume you're right because I wouldn't know anything about being wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, though. <laughs> but if, even, you know, even that, it makes sense, though. Yeah. It it feels good to be right. No, it does. It feels it, to be wrong. And it's right? interesting. It's interesting <laughs> that you bring that up because... I wonder if people understand that it, it feels good because the brain is saying, here's dopamine. And it feels yeah. bad because the brain is saying, here's cortisol, here's adrenaline. Right. You know, and it's not just like in some abstraction, oh, it feels so good. No, 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 you're getting drugged. Yes. <laughs> you're, you're drugging yourself. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I also want to address, you know, people who are, um, you know, creating these conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. Yes, it does feel good. Um, but people are also operating from their fear brain, just like, you know, mm -hmm. as an adult, you know, you're living in fear um, subconsciously and you yeah. have to bring it to the conscious. Um, this is how people are dealing with their fear. They need to make sense out of something that has not happened before. This right. is a challenge. <laughs> they want to naturally figure out it must be a conspiracy. It, it must it, have been created by the Chinese. Yeah. And, you know, it must have been the Clintons, whatever the, right. yeah. the hell they talk but yeah. um, they, they're just trying to make sense of it all. What I, my problem with it, and I'm not saying that there are, there's stuff that has happened, especially here in America, to groups and communities that yeah. people would never believe unless we had evidence for it. Okay. Right. But I can't dwell on that as a black woman in America. Okay. I am focused on how can I make people better? How can I help the situation? And I think conspiracies are dangerous 
because they're they're adding fuel to the fear. Absolutely. They're not helping with creativity yeah. and solution finding and supporting, you know, people on the front lines. Right. Um, I better I think the your mental energy will better be utilized if you're yeah. going to use mental energy yeah. in those areas that's going to help us overcome this particular challenge. I'm not saying don't explore later on or on your own time, but right, right. you know, inserting all these seeds that you can't even prove, you're just yeah. conjecturing. All right, yeah. it's not helping people overcome their fear and um, really be in a, a healthy mindset to you know help in the way that they can or be more creative. Yeah. You're, you're literally stealing your mental energy from your solution finding abilities, from your compassion and empathy, because mm -hmm. that takes mental energy yeah. to listen empathetically mm -hmm. and you know do the things that will help somebody else. You're stealing your own mental energy and putting yeah. it into uh, a never ending cycle of conspiracy theories. That's right. what's happening yeah. in the brain. You yeah. want to know. <laughs> yeah. And I do. I do want to know because without you to tell me, then I have to take the word of the telepathic Wuhan bats. And, and I, I, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to listen to those guys anymore. They're, they're clearly crazy. <laughs> and let me just say, I'm not saying that some of those pieces, they may prove to be true one day, right, right. but I'm just saying in this moment, really yeah. just ask yourself, are you helping or hurting? I think I that's good. It. I think that's good. And and I know that at least in my world, in my kind of social media sphere, a lot of people self-identify as leaders. And and guess what? To be a leader, you still have to stand tall when you're unsure. Right? You still, even when you doubt, you you have to be a representative symbol to people who look to you. Right. You, you can't be going crazy with the toilet paper and going crazy with the bats and, you know, and, and crazy with the, the Epstein sex Island and whatever it all is like, <laughs> you know, it's not helping. It's it's not not helping. And, and you don't want a, a community or country. You don't want people operating in fear. So as a right. leader, you have to decide, do you want to get people out of their fear brain? Right. Not, you know, not totally because, we're, we are uncertain. Address mm -hmm. that. Yes, we yeah. are uncertain. These are uncertain times. Right. Yes. I understand that you can have fears that you may not, you know, get some financial compensation. Mm -hmm. uh, but here's what we're working on. Yeah. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. if you're talking about the Wuhan bats, how the hell is that helping right now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you're talking about microchips in vaccines. <laughs> yeah. How is that helping right this second? Right. Okay, yeah. fine. You're not going to take the vaccine. But do you need to tell us about everything? There's yeah. formaldehyde in vaccines and Gates is going to put microchips in it and yeah. you're going to be trapped for the rest of your... How the hell do you actually know that? Where, <laughs> right. where is evidence? That's not proven. Because, so Shantae, now, they looked it up in their gut. And you do. <laughs> <laughs> they they researched it in their intuition. <laughs> okay. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah, that's how that's what I do. I'm a connector. <laughs> that's how I help. I'm I'm a spiritual leader, therefore I have all the insights and I'm awakened to the level that nobody else is awakened. So th things are just downloaded to me like downloaded. No that's right. Yeah, it was a download. It was yeah. a spiritual download. There you go. Um I knew I was going to enjoy talking to you. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah. So, Likewise. <laughs> let's tell me from a, a neuroscience perspective, can we talk about words and language? Because I'm very, very curious to pick your mind about that. Um, yes. Do you do you have any? Is there any scientific consensus or even strong opinion on something I believe very, very? Uh, I'm convinced of, which is choosing our words is very important because there's an emotional resonance. There's, you know, there's all these things that that word choice does um, that I would suggest that right now would really benefit people. Okay, so Manny, if somebody called you an idiot, mm -hmm. how would that make you feel? Okay, so honestly, it's going to depend on who says it. Okay, somebody. <laughs> so if you if you said it at the end of this talk, I'd be I'd be sad and surprised and, and probably a little hurt. Okay, let's go with that. So All right. Do words matter? They do. I mean, to me, they absolutely matter. And what did we learn when we were kids? Right, sticks and stones. Sticks and stones. Yeah. Yeah. Words, yeah. but you no, know, those words hurt. They yeah. shape our belief systems. They shape how we feel about ourselves. They yeah. show if we're going to take action on something or not. Mm -hmm. So words are very powerful. Yeah, and shape who we are and how we think about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Now, depending on your level of awareness and how you manage to ma uh, manage your emotional brain, yeah. um, you can you know block some of that blow. Mm -hmm. But if you're five years old and your mom is calling you an idiot, you know yeah. that's going to shape who you are, it may take decades for you to finally realize that, you know, I'm actually not an idiot, but by yeah. then you made a million decisions yeah. about how you're conducting your life and who you are. So you probably will, you know, look for other idiots because now you don't feel so alone because we're, like you said earlier, we're social interconnected yeah. beings. So we're going to choose to be around people who are not going to make us feel like crap, right? Yeah. And so maybe that kid doesn't take chances on things um, or apply to certain schools or whatever. Right. So yeah. Change the whole trajectory. And we also know our neuroscience, when we are feeling a certain way, like let's say you did feel all sad because I called you an idiot, which I would never do, Manny. <laughs> um, we know that if you did feel sad and you said, if you told me, you know what, Shante, that really hurt. You know, that really made me feel sad right now. Yeah. That actually um, deactivates your amygdala, that fear, threat, sad brain mm. to get bump you out of that emotion so it doesn't stay with you and release a bunch of um, cortisol, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. and all of that over time. Um, and, and that's important because when we don't verbally um, say how we feel, like we hold it all in, that actually increases stress hormone. That actually, oh. um, yeah, and we have a, a part of the brain, uh, our emotions are attached to our uh, hippocampus, which is a part of our yeah, memory. Yeah, yeah. So the stronger that emotion, the mm -hmm. stronger that memory gets sealed yeah, in your yeah. pathways and gets, the you know, yeah. all those other memories that make you mm -hmm. feel like crap and sad. But once you give it a name, once you name your emotion, we know that that quiets down the amygdala. So it's not as strong, not as powerful. Now you can access more of your prefrontal cortex to be able to have a conversation with me and, you know, say, and we can have that dialogue, um, you know, from that higher brain versus, you know, getting into argument mode yeah, or yeah, you yeah. Know, whatever. So um, 
words that, are, that's that's the conclusion. <laughs> that's fascinating. The part about what happens when you name the feeling mm -hmm. and name the experience. That part I didn't know. Uh, I remember um, <clears throat> I'm working on a, a sort of a autobiography of my dad's life <clears throat> and and I don't know much about him and so it's really an interesting process because he was a he was a brilliant storyteller but he was also he was a known scoundrel and a known liar right and so I don't know what of his stories were true or not but what I do know is that his father didn't know what to do with him his father had three working class steel mill town kids and one kid who was like a fucking alien. And that was my dad. Uh, my dad <clears throat> showed showed incredible aptitude for the saxophone when he was like eight years old. He went on to be he went on to be like one spotlight away from famous. You know, he played with all the great jazz musicians and everything. And I always wondered, like, why didn't he get famous? You know, what was it that, what was it? Because he played with Charlie Parker. He played with Dizzy Gillespie. He played with these guys. And I was like, how come, you know, where's the connection there? And I, I honestly believe that the connection is, is that he never found a way to get out from under the words his dad used. Mm. I, I really believe that. And I, I, I remember in the book, I said, uh, my grandfather... My, my grandfather killed my father long before I was born, as I imagine his father did to him. Mm -hmm. And it was with just, you know, my dad's name was Steve. Steve, you're worthless. You're a piece of crap. You're never going to amount to nothing. You know, what the hell's wrong with you? And it was weird because I did get to meet my dad a little bit and he knew he was a genius. He had no question about it. All he had to do was play with other people and he could see. Yeah, You know, it, it would be like if the Hulk and you were lifting weights together, he's going to figure out he's stronger than you pretty soon. Right, right. But he 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 sort of died of a broken heart hmm. because he never was able to reconcile that. And as an interesting side note, he literally died from an abscess on his heart. Wow. And I think that it's all kind of powerfully talks about the power of words. You know, uh, to me, I go, is it just a coincidence that he, he had a broken heart from his father all his life and then he dies from an abscess on his heart? I, I don't think so. Yeah. You yeah. know, mm -hmm. but more germane to what we're talking about is that I could see it on him that he was never able to fully shed the things his dad said to him, even though he knew he had a gift that other people didn't have. Yeah. And, and so I suppose I present that as a cautionary tale about the power of words. Right. I, I really, I really love getting confirmation from you <laughs> about that. Confirm everything now. That's the beauty yeah. of all science now. Um, and of course, that's what I train coaches and leaders mm -hmm. uh, to understand their impact yeah. on other people mm -hmm. is real. Yeah. Okay. So even in this day and time with all the challenges, we still have to be so careful with our words because yeah. they are affecting other people. So what what I would say too to sort of put a bow on top of that is when we meet someone who is really deliberate, 
really conscious and present with their word choice, mm -hmm. we may not be able to say that's what it is about them, but right. that person really stands out. You know, yep. it's it's a very, very powerful component of sort of embodied leadership. Well, we're we're wired to pick on up on people's energy. Mm -hmm. So let's say um, in our hunter gathering days, right? Yeah. If a stranger comes into the tribe, we're reading that person before they even yeah. hear yeah. all the way. We need to know open hands, you know, mm -hmm. are they smiling or do they look like they're ready to fight or something? We need to pick up on body oh, language yeah. energy way before because it's yeah. a survival mechanism. So before people even speak, we can kind of get an understanding of how we feel about mm -hmm. them. That's why yeah. emotions are still powerful. We just need to learn how to use them more powerfully. And they can yeah. influence how we talk, how we behave, how we make decisions, how we um, interact with people mm -hmm. as well. So yeah, it all works together. <laughs> it all works together. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I was really looking forward to this and I knew it was going to be a lot of fun and you did not disappoint. <laughs> you want to you want to do the you want to do the thing where you tell people where they can find you i'll do that thing do that thing <laughs> well you can find me everywhere basically on mm -hmm. every social media platform just about all the popular ones linkedin um, i'm i'm on facebook a lot as you know man manny yeah. um and i also have a, a website just my name shantaytaylor.com and i am the founder of the optimine institute uh, so you can see me there as well. So you can, if you're looking, if you're being intentional, you can follow me and learn more from me and learn how to take your brain to the next level as well. Um, so that, there you go. <laughs> Which I highly suggest you all do. Um, there's, there's absolutely no reason today for you high achievers not to be looking at how you can get that advantage, get that edge. Um, and after speaking with you, I, I really feel like you, you're a great resource for people. I want to thank you so much. Yes. Thank you for uh, inviting me on your platform and, you know, sharing your gifts with the world and trying to, you know, change the world for the better. I, I always appreciate um, people like yourselves who are doing that. So it's my honor. Thank you. Right. Well, then we're both honored. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Manny Wolf Show. If you know someone that you'd love to have me interview, please go to my website at mannywolf.com. That's M-A-N-N-Y-W-O-L-F-E.com and submit them as a potential guest. We love to bring guests on that our audience wants to hear from. So please help us to find the best guests for you by going to mannywolf.com submitting anyone that you have in mind to be a great guest, including yourself. And if you'd like to know more about me and what I do, please come over to Facebook and join my group, simply called the Manny Wolf Group. If you'd like to get more into my world where we have all kinds of tips, trainings, valuable stuff for you to help you get better at growing your brand and your audience, please come and join the Manny Wolf Group on Facebook. Until our next episode, I'll see you.